0: I mean a lot being back at the stadium and back at our track which is a spiritual home to hundreds of individuals
1: not just the world's best come here but you have the whole community utilizing the facility so like you know the birchfield harriers the young athletes come here they train on the same ground as Alison and is isn't by ava the world's greatest have been here
2: what we want very much is for people to be able to come and experience what the different events might be for themselves but at the same time think about how those events developed why athletics looks like it does today
3: welcome back to the podcast and welcome back to many of you i'm sure who have returned to tracks and training facilities around the country this episode of the podcast is all about looking ahead first of all to the commonwealth games next summer You'll hear from England Athletics Birmingham 2022 team leader Kelly Southerton and also from organisers of the Athletics Museum, which are aiming to be there at the Alexander Stadium next year. As we look forward to the current outdoor season, we'll check in with Avon Valley runners and Thames Valley harriers. But first, Kelly Southerton, well, she was a Birchfield Harrier. The three-time Olympic medalist has been catching up with athletics commentator, Rob Walker, who pointed out that there are a few connections between Kelly and Birmingham 2022.
4: You were born in the year the Alexander Stadium opened. I think there's something quite poetic about that, bearing in mind that you spent your whole life immersed in athletics.
1: Yeah, there's a lot of connections with the site, Birmingham Commonwealth Games for me. Yeah, 1976, yes, I am that old. I trained here. The games come in here, so it holds lots of memories. It all kinds of fits. It's kind of strange. But that's why I think it's meant to be.
4: <laughs> and I noticed the one world record thus far in the Alexander Stadium, Yelena Isambayeva pole vaulted, uh, I think, 489 in 2004 on the 25th of July, and you were competing in the stadium on that day. Can you remember that world record?
1: No, I actually don't, because when that... Um... When you mentioned the world record being done at Alexander Stadium, I was like, was there? Because I only really remember one really outstanding performance, and that was Allison Felix running sub-22. But I don't remember Ismaeva competing here. So I was like, oh, my God, actually, we have a world record here. So obviously, since then, it's, it's moved on. But, like, it makes this really special place that big things can happen.
4: I'm glad you said that because it is a special place, this stadium, isn't it? Like, even driving in to talk to you today, even though it looks different, for athletes and athletics fans Birmingham and the Alexander Stadium has an aura about it. There is something in that, isn't there?
1: Yeah, I think um, worldwide athletes love coming to Birmingham, love competing here. Um, it's also a very good training track. So not just um, the world's best come here, but you have the whole community utilising a facility. So like, you know, the Birchfield Harriers, the young athletes come here and they train on the same ground as, you know, Alison Feel is Isn't By Ava. Um, the world's greatest have been here. And so that's why I think it's such a fantastic place. And I always think Birmingham is the city of sport because we just hold such good events. And when we do have our national championships and they come here, I think everyone loves coming here because it is a special place for everybody. And even when you train here day in, day out, and it is your national champs or it's a big event, whatever, it's a diamond league, uh, it's still special.
4: The Commonwealth Games is a massive, massive honour For Birmingham, but it's also a huge opportunity in terms of putting the city on the global map. It's going to be a massive couple of weeks.
1: I think because of the situation that's happened over the last year and then going into next year, I think it's going to be bigger than it would ever have been um, because people are actually fans and athletes are just yearning for live sport, learning for championships, and I think. I'm, you know, very hopeful that 22 we have the return of full stadiums because, you know, you've got a fantastic new stadium being built and what we want that is to be full of fans, to appreciate all the hard work and dedication athletes have taken to get here. So, uh, yeah, it's massive for Birmingham, the local area and for the country. I mean, we were going to be bidding for the 2026 Games, but because of Durban being withdrawn, you know, we have it a little bit earlier, but it's still fantastic. And we have a, the gymnastic centre here. We've got the indoors. We'll have a, a championship stadium. We'll have a warm-up track. We've got BMX across the park. So it's... it's a, Hopefully it will evolve into some kind of sport park.
4: There is still a relevance and a place for the Commonwealth Games, isn't there? Because I think it has a really, really important place on the multi-sport calendar. It's a huge platform for athletes.
1: Yeah, I mean, there's some sports there that aren't Olympic sports. And we can utilize that netball is one of them. And netball is hugely, hugely big in the Commonwealth nations and countries. And you see how excited and how big it is when like when England won in the Gold Coast beating Australia. Fantastic achievement. But yeah, it, it, Commonwealth Games is a stepping stone for many athletes, but it's also a consolidation. We can see, like, one event that was my event in the Gold Coast, for instance, Katarina Johnson Thompson winning her first outdoor multi event title, but also the emergence of Neve Emerson winning a medal. So, and that just that's a great platform, but it's also a good consolidation for athletes. And there are some events that probably aren't as strong. In the world at the commonwealth but there are some events that really are because the caribbean nations sprinting is really good the endurance when you've got some of the african nations taking part so yeah it it, it's strong overall and i think the commonwealth games federation are evolving with the times they have to obviously and that will just keep evolving so what the championships were maybe 50 years ago maybe slightly different but the essence is still there but it's evolving Um, you know birmingham 22 is all about inclusivity and diversity And in a city like Birmingham, which is full of diversity, it's poignant that that's probably the start of a new journey.
4: And what I like is the fact that you are trying to focus on future medalists as well. Because having been a world medalist and an Olympic medalist, you know as an athlete how intimidating the whole concept and the whole philosophy of being in a village can be. And I don't think it's a coincidence that you go to Manchester in 'O two, you have that experience and that stands you in good stead before you then go to Athens for for the for the iconic moment when you're sprawled on the track looking up and you find out you've got the bronze it's a really good opportunity for world-class future performers to just get a feel for how village life works
1: yeah absolutely um it is a it is very unique and it is a learning experience and it is the best platform to learn because the next multi-sport Championships is the Olympics, so if you get that under your belt before the Olympic Games, you know you're onto a winner.
4: Now that you're in this sort of team leader role, what are you? What are you personally most looking forward to about the month of the of the of the event itself?
1: Uh, <laughs> I said to all the team, all the team that are working towards this, is like I'm just going to sit in a stand for those seven days and enjoy the athletics. Obviously, that's not the case. 95 percent of problems are ironed out before we start there. But I think all I want to do is ensure that the people have a successful championships, whatever that looks like. But as long as they know they've done everything they can and we've provided whatever they can and whatever they needed in that time, I just feel that that's what my job is to do is to ensure that the team at England Athletics and Commonwealth Games England provide the best opportunities for people to get to the Games but also perform at their best.
3: Former heptathlete and now England Athletics Commonwealth Games team leader Callie Southerton talking to Rob Walker. Now, naturally, more than one part of the country might like to claim itself as the home of athletics in the UK, but a new project linked to next year's Games in Birmingham is keen to bring that idea into a physical reality, namely the Athletics Museum. But what objects should go in an Athletics Museum? Well, if you've got a great idea or two, there's time to send them in I've been talking to Jane Ainsworth from the museum to find out more.
2: It's a legacy project of of the three A's who want to make sure that their enormous contribution to the sport in terms of developing athletes continues and also to celebrate the heritage of athletics of which they've been an absolutely central part. So that was one side of it. And then another came through the British Athletic Supporters Club and in particular Philip Andrew and the late, great Jack Miller, who also wanted to ensure that there was a permanent home for athletics in this country, which celebrated its heritage. A great opportunity seemed to present itself in Birmingham hosting the Commonwealth Games, and what we're hoping is that the museum will, when it becomes a physical reality, will be in Birmingham and hopefully up at the stadium, at the Alexander Stadium. One of the initial focuses was looking at the heritage of the trophies that were presented to three A's winners, some of them dating back to the 1860s. And I answered a, um, an advert in the Supporters Club newsletter for someone to catalogue the trophies. My background's in education. I was a teacher for 12 years and now in university research so i had done some work on telling the story of those trophies and the people who won them and from that came this idea of bringing all these strands together to think about setting up a museum
3: brilliant and we have a a national football museum nowadays in, in manchester there are some other great museums museum of irish sport In Dublin, why not have an athletics museum, as you say, a great opportunity. So, what's the vision behind, and I know this is being shaped at the moment, what's the vision behind what it might look like?
2: I think what we would like is a place where anybody can come along and find out about the sport and the heritage of athletics. Initially, our idea was that we would practice, if you like, by creating some little pop up exhibitions at athletics events. Of course, Covid happened so we moved online, we created the website which at the moment has got one exhibition if you like. What we're hoping that the museum will look like will be, yes, have a go opportunities. I keep using the the phrase away you go in, in memory of Ron Pickering at the end of We Are The Champions because what we want very much is for people to be able to come and experience what the different events might be for themselves but at the same time think about how those events developed, how the heritage of those events developed, why athletics looks like it does today but then we'd also like to look obviously at the the headline champions that you think about when you think about athletics on a national and international level and think about the people who for example are part of the England Athletics Hall of Fame, think about the great rivalries that there were over the years but we also very much want to think about the community of athletics and the clubs who are the heart and soul of athletics. So there would be opportunities for people to come along and find out, not just about the events and being an athlete, but also the opportunities there are to be part of a club community, being a coach, being an official, being a record keeper, being a presenter. We want to think about the heritage of all the great clubs that there are around the country who are the people from the different clubs who have made the sport and the local sport in particular, what it is today. Another area that we'd like to um, develop is a a research area. So a physical space where records and data can be stored and people who have got an interest in the heritage of the sport, in, in the records of the sport can come along and study and we can store the heritage, some of which really is at risk. We'd also look to have um, a temporary exhibition um, and temporary in museum terms means something like about 18 months. So our current temporary exhibition would be the, the history of the English Schools Championships. But in the future, we'd like to move on to look at things like, for example, celebrating 100 years of the women's three A's, which is uh, coming up in the next couple of years.
3: You mentioned the one exhibition. On your website to do with the ESAA, English Schools Athletic Association. There's some great stuff on there. I'm just going to read out a little excerpt. The lost years, school athletics was brought to an abrupt end. Now, that was not during the lockdown that we, we were having. But uh, between 1939 and 1946, the Second World War, there was no English schools championships. It mentions that in 1939, there were 777 competitors from 22 counties in 1946 backdrop of uh, rationing and rebuilding there was a 7000 uh, full crowd to watch 850 athletes at uh, eton and that event made a 600 pound profit for the uh, association well a nice little sort of excerpt there showing some of the the rich history
2: it's it's great to see how that exhibition has provoked memories in a number of people who've read it. We had a an email from um, a gentleman in Northern Ireland whose mother had competed at the 1946 event and she, she talks about being 16 and this idea of playing on the playing fields of Eton in 1946 when that would have been such a, an important idea of, I mean everyone still would have been feeling very patriotic and conscious of what one's identity was and how that was tied to the heritage of the country in general, as well as athletics. You get these little details, like she talks about being the the smallest competitor. She says, I was only knee high to an ant, but she had to carry the flag. And she said, when I think back on it now, it was a tremendous honour. But for me, it was just a bit of a nuisance. It was ever so heavy. But anyway, I got a silver medal. And it's lovely to hear the objects and the images that we've been able to put together for that exhibition have, have provoked those memories um, in people. And one of the ideas that we, we would very much like to follow up is how we can use objects in particular to work with dementia sufferers to um, try and improve that terrible condition.
3: Really interesting. You may have answered this question already. What would you say excites you the most or, or has excited you the most about something that you've you found along this process?
2: This is in danger, Alex, of being a very long answer because frankly (laughs) everything excites me. I am like a kid in a sweet shop at the moment. I'd pick out two things really. One is just the level of support that we've already had from a huge number of people and organisations and the commitment that you can see from everybody. Volunteer John Mackey who put together a lot of the work on the English Schools Project and Nicola Evans at England Athletics, who stepped up to help us create the website the level of commitment that everybody at the English schools puts in to make sure that this event happens on such an enormous scale year after year and they're doing this for the love of the sport I mean it's very easy when you're inside the sport to think that you're you're the special sport but I'm slightly outside of it in the sense that I'm only a fan I don't take part it's been so striking how much commitment there is by so many people in terms of kind of the objects that have really inspired me being able to work with the three A's trophies was really cool because you're touching greatness when you touch these trophies even if you've got white gloves on because you're thinking about who else held this trophy and one of the first trophies that i got my hands on was the the women's 400 meter trophy and then and the women's javelin Kathy Cook and Tessa Sanderson were the people who I absolutely idolised as a kid. When you're working with these trophies or the Men's 800 trophy with people like Tom McKean and Peter Elliott, they held this trophy and that that gives you a, a real buzz. The walking trophy, for example, that is still presented today to the winner of the English Senior Championships. That's the person who's responsible for codifying athletics as it is today. That Chambers trophy takes us right back to why the sport is like it is.
3: How can people listening to this podcast get involved if they have some thoughts?
2: The first way to, to get in touch with us is to obviously to have a look at the website, which is theathleticsmuseum.org.uk, and just to contact us through that website, um, so it's just hello at theathleticsmuseum.org.uk. And on a basic level, if you just want to hear our news and to be on our mailing list, then just drop us a line there. Most people are probably listening to this thinking, why is she not giving us any kind of social media handles? And that's because we simply haven't got anybody to help us with the social media at the moment. And this is one of a number of opportunities for people to get involved. Um, We are looking for volunteers. This is going to be a volunteer-based museum. So um, if anything you have heard has um, inspired you to want to contribute to what we're doing, then please do drop us a line because there's opportunities, as I say, in in social media and in digital opportunities, but also things like identifying and cataloging material, talking to and recording the people who we've talked about who make athletics what it is. There's opportunities to develop learning resources and activities. Um, There's there's gonna be a real focus in the museum on working with um, schools and community groups. And eventually, obviously, when we have a, um, a physical museum, we will need people to come along and inspire visitors, help them with the activities, both in the museum and at the track. We can provide training in um anything that is sort of specialist that you so if you feel like you would like to take part for example in interviewing but you've not um you've not had an opportunity to do this before what we would like is people to put themselves forward um, and to put ideas forward not that we're going to expect them to be able to do everything perfectly when they come to us
3: so obviously you're involved at the forefront of researching this project um but you mentioned the support of the three a's the amateur athletic association who else has been involved in the project
2: yeah i mean we we have had tremendous support and interest from a a whole range of people in particular birchfield obviously whose home stadium alexander stadium is we're very keen to work with birchfield and with the people of the local community around the stadium because we want them to make to feel that this is their museum. We've been working and talking to Donna Fraser at British Athletics to think about how we can work with her equality and diversity programme. And last week we were also talking to Commonwealth Games England um, and thinking about how we might make use of their archive of materials. So we we might end up with quite a few cuddly toys from um, previous Commonwealth Games. Um, in addition to some really interesting stuff that they've got there on sort of sponsorship and how we support sport in this country.
3: Do check out the athleticsmuseum.org.uk, which is the website that Jane Ainsworth mentioned. You'll find an exhibition on the history of the English schools championships that we mentioned, including this message from four-time Olympian Mick Hill on his experience at the
5: event. Hi, I'm Mick Hill, former Great Britain javelin thrower and I've got incredibly fond memories of the English Schools Championships. I was lucky enough to compete three times for West Yorkshire, oh, a long, long time ago now. Uh, I had an absolute disaster in my first one, got a second in my second English Schools and then won it down in Plymouth in 1983. I have to say the English Schools was one of those events that really got me into athletics and kept me in athletics. I actually loved the pressure of it going to the the major championships of the year. You had a call room situation, so you had to warm up a long time before your event actually started. Um, You're up against all the best athletes in the country, and the officials always seemed to be on the the card. They wouldn't let you do anything. And and so the pressure was there right from the off. You learn to cope with that, and you also learn that when you had a disaster, you had to wait another year before you could do it again. So again, it, it helped with preparation for next year. And uh, I really love that. And I think it did prepare me for a very good senior athletics career. Um, Fortunate enough to go to 20 major championships, including four Olympic games. And uh, the pressures you feel in those events were very similar to those that I had at the English schools. And as ever, I'll be looking out for the results and seeing who the next superstars are going to emerge at the English schools. So good luck to everyone and uh, stay safe. Former
3: international javelin thrower Mick Hill there. Don't forget to get in touch with the Athletics Museum if you'd like to receive their updates or submit ideas yourself. Now, in our last episode, we talked about returning to competition. And if you follow England Athletics on social media, you will have noticed some great clips from track and field clubs excited to return to training. Here are a couple of sound bites, starting off with Lil Morris, who is a leader in running and fitness, or LERF, at Avon Valley Runners.
6: To engage with our members, we've been doing a number of things. Firstly, our annual awards ceremony, which is normally held face-to-face, is going to be held virtually via Zoom this year. We've been posting the nominees for each category leading up to the event to build up some excitement and some momentum. We're encouraging members to still dress up and the local catering company is given the option to deliver buffet food before the actual awards. Secondly, we're posting sessions for both adult and junior athletes. We're doing this a couple of times a week and these sessions are a mixture between hills and efforts just to give a little bit of variety there. We're also conscious that many of our members will be feeling isolated during this time. They may be at home alone. We've set up a WhatsApp group for four of the local towns, which enables members to run with one other person, socially distanced, at a pace which has already been determined in their local town. Behind the scenes, our committee been hard at work at pulling together a number of items to ensure our members are welcomed back and that they're safe. We've been working with coaches and our COVID officer to ensure that our track facility is still going to be COVID secure when we come back to training sessions there. We've also had an influx of new volunteers who are taking on LERF sessions and this has been fantastic because they're then ready to take on training when they come back. We also have a number of members including myself who are now ready to take that step from LERF to Kerf. Personally, I'm hugely excited for the return of club activity. Can't wait to see the other members again at our training sessions and to also take on my Perth.
0: So I'm Andre Fernandez. I'm the general manager of Thames Valley Harriers. And we are really itching. Can't wait to get back on the track uh, as soon as possible. We cover the full spectrum of athletics across all the levels, all of the age groups, youth development, all the way through to Masters and beyond. Uh, so, yeah, we have an extremely comprehensive club membership. So we've been in regular contact with our athletes. So just be a case of introducing them to the exact steps that will be put in place for their return. And just to ensure that uh, any training that they have been doing on the sides uh, during our virtual sessions and our online guidance is to then just reintegrate that into the club setting that they're used to and just make sure that we, we gauge everything on a case-by-case basis, uh, just ensure that we're not jumping into the deep end too soon, too hard. We yeah, have gradual incrementation, you know, a gradual increase in what we do, and uh, just to make it fun, engaging and absolutely welcome. So giving, that, giving them that family feel, that's going to be our main focus. It's going to mean a lot being back at the stadium and back at our track, which is a spiritual home to hundreds, uh, hundreds of individuals. And so, yeah, finally opening those gates, knowing that we've got all the safety procedures in place, we're fully risk assessed, and we have the backing of our local council as well. Um, I I personally just can't wait. It's going to be a massive, massive relief, a huge weight off of everybody's shoulders, and uh, an important step back to normality and reality for our members uh, from a a mental health perspective, which is um, much needed and certainly kept um, you know close to our hearts uh, throughout this difficult time.
3: Well great to hear those clips recorded during the lockdown that as I speak currently we are starting to head out of. Please do check the England Athletics website where guidance is regularly updated and look up our social media channels Facebook, Twitter, Instagram and YouTube for more content like what you've just heard. This has been the England Athletics Podcast on Spotify, SoundCloud Apple and Google Podcasts. Don't forget to subscribe and I'll speak to you next time.